Hey guys, what's up? This is Andy Frisella here. You're listening to Big MX Radio, but when you're done with this episode, come check out the MFCEO project, the MFCEO.com. I got all your motivation. I've got everything you need to know about running your brand. I've got everything you need to know about getting shit done, and we can do it together. Welcome to the Big MX Radio podcast brought to you by Medterra CBD. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt, and you can go to MedterraCBD.com and save 15% every time that you shop with Medterra CBD with discount code BIGMXRADIO15. I'm your host, Brad Gebhardt. I'm on all of these podcasts, but for the very first time on the line, we've got number 17 in your program, number one in your hearts, Joey Savacci. Joey, how's it going? Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. Hey, thank you for making some time during uh, uh, what is no doubt a, a busy off season. Uh, congratulations on welcoming uh, a newborn into uh, into your household. Yeah, thank you, man. It's, uh, it's been a, a quite a transition for sure. It's uh, it's life changing, but um, you know, like I've I've told a few people, it's it's in a good way. You know, it's definitely you sacrifice a lot. It's kind of I think as humans in general, we're all very selfish. I think, uh, you know, na- just naturally, I think everyone wants what's best for themselves. Um, and I think when you have a child and, uh, you know, you have to to feed the child, take care of the child. And, you know, you basically are, are raising this thing from nothing to, uh, you know, to what you want it to be. And it's up to you to point her or him in the right direction. And, uh, and I think when you have that responsibility, you... Uh, you stop thinking so much about yourself, and you realize that uh, you know there's more to there's more to life than just making yourself happy. You know, you have a you have a group of people around you, and and, and for me, obviously, I have, a, I have a wife, and now I have a a newborn little girl, and uh, you know, if I can make if I can make them happy, and and I can help out around the house, you know, that's 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 priority number one. Absolutely, and just the the pride that comes along with being a dad. Um, I'm sure that uh, in the last few weeks, a better part of a month now, you, you've uh, realized just how much time and, and energy it takes to, uh, to take care of a little one. And I think you also probably realize how much you won't be able to do uh, once you uh, acquire your new deal for 2020 and uh, will be basically full-blown into uh, Supercross testing, getting ready for that. Um, that's a, a pretty daunting uh, realization that uh, your, your lovely wife, Megan, is going to have to... It's Megan, correct? Yeah, it is. Yeah, and uh, we'll, we'll have to uh, uh, take on the the brunt of that, and uh, and that's a huge support system that I think it goes really underrated. I know uh, um, Osborne's talked about that. Same thing with uh, with uh, Jake Jake Weimer when I had him on the show. Like this, that support system of having someone there who uh, is is able to uh, juggle all those balls while you guys, um, although it's. You need to be that. You need to be that selfish to uh, to work that hard on your craft. Is going to have to uh, be, be a huge support system for you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, obviously, at the end of the day, I have a job too. And um, when it comes to that, I think I'm very selfish about you know taking care of what needs to be done. But at the same time, like I said, you know, when you have mouth to feed and you have a little one to take care of, it it kind of uh, you, you trim a lot of fat off of things. Um, you know, like it, it, you just, you, you learn to, uh, to take care of things that need to be done, whether it be super early in the morning, um, or, or during times where you wouldn't necessarily do the stuff. Um, and you know, obviously with, um, the schedule that I'll be on with, with feeding, with, uh, feeding the baby girl and, uh, you know, you're not, 
Yeah, I'm up a lot more now during weird hours of the night and early morning than I, than I used to be. And, um, you know, there's downfalls to that. Obviously, I'm one that loves sleep and uh, definitely a little sleep deprived, but, you know, I wouldn't change it for the world. So with, with that being said, though, um, you know, being up at weird hours super early in the morning, it gives me that opportunity to, you know, especially when it gets to crunch time, you know, because right now I got a lot of flexibility. I'm not riding yet. Um, I'm trying to figure out, you know, what, what I'm going to do. But so I have a lot of flexibility right now. But come time when I get back to riding and I'm on a full-blown schedule, you know, being up at 5 a.m. To, to feed to feed her or 4.30 to feed her or whatever time I'm up to feed her, I can always, you know, get ready and just go do my run or my bike ride, you know, at 5 a.m. Um, or 5.30 and go get it done. That way, when I leave, you know, at, at 8 in the morning or whatever it is to go ride, I go to the track, I get my stuff done, and when I leave, I'll be done for the day. And that way, when I get home at, you know, at 1 o'clock, noon, whatever time it is, I'm done. That means I can get home, I can take care of her, I can help out and, you know, and, and do what I need to do at the house. And, um, you know, it's just when, when I, when, before we had her, um, you know, it's, it, it was a lot easier to just sleep till 6. 6:30, get up, you know, do the breakfast, get ready, go to the track, and then you know, leave the track, be done by one, and then I get home, and then I got an hour plus bike ride to do, and then you know, by the time I get home, I want a snack, um, and then you know, do the bike ride and et cetera, et cetera, get home, shower, do all that. It's already close to you know four or five o'clock. So, um, and and that's just because you know I was taking advantage of, of the sleep. Um, yeah. But like I said, with with it being not an option right anymore you know obviously we need to feed her and, and she needs to be on a schedule as well as i do it just um like i said you just trim a lot of fat off of areas and, and you save up you save a lot of time during the day that um you know i guess you don't really realize that you're wasting per se um you just you just your time management is much better fair enough so 2020 we're gonna see an even more efficient Joey Savacci, if uh, if we even thought that was possible, always well known for being fit, always showing up uh, uh, ready to go, whether it be uh, your first pro season back in 2013 aboard KTMs or this past season aboard uh, the, the, the Kawasaki 450. Um, now, I imagine that uh, you get a lot of, uh, of of great advice from not only the great The O Show, he's been on the show a couple of times now, uh, but also Ricky Carmichael. Uh, did you ever think you were going to get uh, parenting advice from those guys? Uh, obviously, Johnny, I'm around Johnny a lot. Um, you know, I talk to him daily, and, and uh, you know, we work hard. And so he kind of prepped me a little bit. Um, but, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to prep or to man to give advice it's just because everyone's so different you know not that no no two people have the same experience and you know there's no no ricky's two kids or or johnny's two kids and you know and and my baby girl it's there's no there's no right or wrong way to do it it's trial and error you know so what works for them might not work for me and vice versa so it's you know there's obviously there's there's uh I would say tips or, or just just experience stories um, as far as how they did it and what worked. But like I said, it's it's just it's so hard because no one's the same, and you know, and, and I feel the same way about training. And that's where um, you know, and obviously it works for a lot of people. But you know, I see all these guys train and do stuff together, and it's just um, for the most part. I mean, I shouldn't say it doesn't work, but there's a, for, for example, it works for the Baker's Factory. But I've just always wondered how because you know everyone is so is built differently and 
what makes some people tick doesn't make other people tick. So I've just always, you know, I've always been curious as to how that works because, you know, what I know what works for me doesn't work for a lot of people. And, you know, obviously I, I know what uh, Jeremy Martin used to do, kind of. Obviously I don't know day for day, but I, mm-hmm. I kind of have the, an idea as, to, as far as workload, what he used to do. And I can't, I can't manage that workload. I'm not, I'm a very lean guy. I don't have a lot of, uh, of fat buildup. Um, you know, I'm a, I don't want to say tall, but when you compare it to him, you know, I'm a little bit taller, skinnier, um, you know, and, and, and he's, Jeremy's built a lot more like Ricky was, you know, a little bit shorter, stockier, so he's got agree. a lot of reserves. And, and so, like, I can't manage, you know, what he managed when he was working with Johnny, and, and I know what Ricky did when, when he was coming up, and I can't manage those loads because my body just, you know, I'll break down. And so it, it's tough because, you know, we're, you got to walk a fine line, um, and, and you got to figure it out, but like I said, it, it's just it's hard to to you know to give advice and expect it to work for everyone. But they've definitely kind of given me you know just their experiences and, and their stories and stuff for sure. Absolutely. Well, hopefully that's uh, been helping you out on the uh, the raising kids side of things. Like you said, everybody is different, but uh, you can sort of take a little bit away from uh, the fact that uh, I believe RC uh, uh, had his twins on the same on a race weekend as well as you did. You decided to uh, on the weekend of Bud's Creek to stay home. I think that was the best idea for you, not in the championship hunt, so to speak. And uh, you only get to have your firstborn child born once, uh, and, and to be there with uh, your, your lovely wife and 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 just experience it that whole weekend uh, and then go back to work the following weekend, I think is, uh, was, was the right thing to do. Uh, what did you take out of that experience and just being able to be there for your wife? And uh, I'm sure there's lots of uh, fathers listening who uh, can, can relate to that. Yeah. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, like obviously if I'm in a situation or a position where I'm in a title hunt, um, you know, I go to that race, no doubt. But the difference yeah. is, is, you know, I'm in a position where I've been winning races and I got some some cash saved up, and then it's not an issue because then I fly to the race, I, I I go through the process and I spend the money, I get a private jet, I fly to the race, you know, and I stay the night, I get up in the morning, I go practice and do whatever, and and you know, and and the jet's waiting. I finish the race. As soon as the race is done, I leave. I go to the airport, get on the plane, boom, and I'm home. I'm home in four hours. And yeah. then it's you know then it's not even an issue because it's it's there's so much freedom when you're flying private. But for me and the situation I was in, you know, obviously the private jet wasn't really an option. I mean, it's not that it wasn't; it just wasn't financially the right thing to do. And being in my position, I didn't really have anything to gain by going. Um, you know, and and as everything turned out, I wouldn't have made it home. You know, we had her we had her Sunday morning at six a.m. and um, you know, obviously, uh, there's no flights for me to catch out Saturday night, so I would have missed it. And, you know, and that's something that I would have had to have lived with for the rest of my life. And that's something that I wasn't prepared to do. Um, and, you know, like, I think the man upstairs has got a plan and, you know, and, and he sent me a message and, you know, I just had a gut feeling from like Monday of that week that I wasn't going to Budge Creek and I wasn't racing because I just had that feeling that if I went, I would regret it for the rest of my life. And at the end of the day, like I love racing and that's what I want to do. And I want to do it for a lot of years, but there's, there's a lot more races in my future and there's so much more to life than racing. And it's, 
it's hard to say that when that's all that I'm about. And that's, but I, you know, live, breathe, live, breathe and eat is racing and, and dirt bikes and all that. But, you know, there's only one first child and there's only one time that they're born. And, you know, I can't, I just couldn't stomach the idea of, you know, getting that call. Hey, you know, I went into labor. Crap. I can't get home. And then, getting a text from a plane hey the baby was born you know and i'm not there like, yeah. that's just something that i just i couldn't i couldn't have lived with i just i, I don't know like i said he has a the man upstairs has a way of, of sending messages and communicating and you know i had that i just had that feeling you know from from i think it was monday or tuesday that you know i just something about it telling me don't go and uh you know and i think it's only like five or it's a very low percentage of babies born on their actual due date and uh you know ours was one of them so you know, and even if she wasn't born um, Sunday and ended up being not till Wednesday, it, it doesn't change anything because it, I was confident and I stuck with my decision that I wanted to. And if it worked out like it did, awesome. And if it didn't, awesome because I wasn't willing to take that chance. Absolutely. And I'm glad that you were able to uh, think clearly and make that ch- choice. There's a lot of guys who feel external pressure from teams or sponsors or whoever and, and, and would, would choose otherwise and then later on uh, regret it. I, that, that's not going to be you in, in this circumstance. You, uh, you, you followed your, uh, your gut feeling and uh, I think you, uh, it turned out for the better on, on that side of things. Um, so let's, let's unpack some stuff here. Um, Joey Savacci, uh, a, Highly touted amateur. You had probably one of the most successful uh, like amateur years at Loretta's. Uh, a young guy can uh, can enjoy back in two thousand and eight aboard. Uh, were you on the four stroke back then, or was that still a CR two hundred and fifty or CR one hundred and fifty? Uh, the little bikes. I was super mini. I was on a one hundred and fifty. Um, and at the time, I, <laughs> looking back on it, unfortunately, I was on a one hundred and fifty. Um, yeah, you know, it, it was still so new and. It's just you couldn't compete with a Cowie or a Suzuki 112. That that's just the bottom line. Those guys had such a such an advantage, um, you know. And, and with the 150 being so new, it, it was uh, it was tough. Um, and there was definitely a lot of, of highs during my amateur career. Um, you know, won my fair share of titles. Um, you know, at almost all the nationals that we went to, and definitely had some some loads as well, but. Um, you know, looking back on it, I think I got to where I am because of of the highs and the lows. And, you know, I am who I am today because of everything that's happened between now and then. And, uh, you know, obviously looking back on it, are there some things that maybe I would want to change? Man, part of me, as much as I want to say yes, not really because, you know, like without the experiences, you, you're a different person and, um, you know, as, as important as some, as, as important as some of those amateur races seemed at the time, um, you know, I, I don't even remember half of them. And, um, you know, what seemed like the end of the world at, at those bad races is something that I can't even, I, I laugh at now because, you know, it's just, it was just a week, it was just a week of racing. And, you know, it was, at the time it was very important, but in, in the big picture, it, it's not. And, you know, and I think that's, perfect example of, of life you know like some things seem so bad but it's uh as hard as it is you always got to think um you always got to try to stay positive and know that uh there's always there's always worse at the end of the day you know as bad as things are um it can always be worse um and then and even when things are going great 
you know, things can always be better. You can always work to be better and um, strive to, to do better and, and to better yourself. So, um, you know, it's just, it's just an outlook that, you know, has, has changed for me since then. And, um, you know, I've tried to look more bigger picture now, um, whereas, you know, years ago it was more in the moment, you know, what am I going to do this week? what about next weekend and and now it's you know I'm I'm working on myself all the time but it's for it's for the big picture and it's for it's for the future and later on a different perspective that's for sure but you you must have been on top of the world in uh, back in 2008 when you go uh, 85cc 12 to 13 class 111 I imagine that's on the the, the 85 uh, rather than the uh, uh, the 150 uh, putting the boots to guys like Jesse Nelson Richard Gray just Jace Owen uh, Matt Bashelia Colt Nichols Cooper Webb uh, just to name a few uh, pretty star-studded uh, uh, array including Jesse Masterpool uh, in there as well that's basically like the the class that you grew up with uh, and that was extremely uh like if you you were talking like um like uh uh graduating years if you want to talk about like almost like high school uh style levels like you guys had an extremely big wave of talent coming through there if you look at how many guys just that i just named off that have held down uh factory uh uh rides or or won championships at different levels won races tons of talent in there um you must have been really up against it coming out of uh out of georgia uh throughout those times and uh yeah like like maybe before we get into the pro side of things like what was your uh um kind of your your rise to the the pro ranks like for you coming up through uh uh thomasville georgia yeah i mean like i said man at the end of the day like i wouldn't change anything that i've done um and i'm not it's so hard people are uh, it's tough i'm always in a tough spot but at the end of the day like i don't feel bad for myself do i feel like i was against the wall a lot absolutely you know and especially towards the end of my amateur career you had the geico bikes you had the star bikes um you know and and that was kind of around the time where they started hiring guys as an amateur and then you get to loretta's and you're riding against guys who are basically on factory bikes um you know, and, and we're, and I was doing it, um, with, with the help of, uh, with the help of Suzuki and, and PR2 at the time. And, you know, and we were doing our own thing and our bike was good. Don't get me wrong. But when you go up against a factory Geico bike or star bike, um, you know, or even when, when Mitch was, was doing really good bikes for, for, uh, a few of the high end B guys and, and A guys, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's hard to compete it with those guys. And, uh, you know, I, I was never a guy who got that opportunity. You know, I think you look at, uh, at the time, it was Zach Bell. You know, he had the Geico ride. Um, you look at, uh, like, you look at Cooper. He was on a star bike for a while. You know, you look at Martin. Martin was never on on good stuff um, until, I think, his last year. And I might be wrong. Like I said, it's such a blur. But No, I think you're right I about that. I just honestly, I feel like I was always up against something that was, uh, how do I word this? That was very difficult to come out on top of, 
Um, yeah, you're, it's, and, you're an underdog story. Like to be like, if, if yeah. I was to be candid, you're a bit of an underdog story. Even when you came into the pro ranks on a on a KTM 250F, really, what put you on the map? I don't know which Supercross it was specifically, but uh, you had an unbelievable battle in I think it was a heat race or maybe it was an LCQ yeah. with uh, Eli Tomac, and everyone's like, "Holy crap, who's this kid?" Yeah, no, that was uh, Phoenix. Uh, yeah, Phoenix heat race. I should have won that one. I. I you know, being excited and nervous as I was, that was a, that was just a stupid little mistake. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, at the end of the day, like, I hate to use the word underdog. I just feel like if I had the opportunity that some of these other guys had, you know, and this is just the self-confidence in myself and, and knowing my ability, I do believe that I could have won. I could have won a lot more as an amateur if I was on the equipment that some of those guys were on that I was up against. But, again, at the end of the day, like, that's made me who I am. I've never been one to expect anything, and I've always worked for everything I've ever had. Um, you know, came from not a lot of money, and um, I've lost titles as, as an amateur because we ran, you know, clapped out stuff because we didn't have the money to, to afford a new top end um, or, you know, a new motor, and we're, we're getting close to, to expiring on time. And, you know, like, that's just, that's kind of just how I've been and you know we've made it work and I've always you know my dad was hard on me a lot but at the end of the day like you know he, he always told me we're not going to go and we're not going to go to the track and we're not going to ride around and waste gas you know so like if we're showing up we're going to give everything we got whether it be first or last we're going to do it and we're going to do it right and and that's still beat into me today is you know like I'm not going to show up and and half-ass it I'm going to show up and I'm going to do my job and I'm going to do the best that I can and um so as tough as it was always feeling like i wasn't on i don't even i didn't even want to be on better equipment you know i just wanted to be on equal equipment um so as tough as it was um towards the end of my amateur career knowing what i was up against it it was tough but i just knew that for those guys um you know being on factory equipment at an amateur level was such a was such a helpful I'm trying to figure out a word. This was such a help that I knew once I got to the pros and and when I got a ride that the jump would be easier because I would be going from something that was good to really good. Whereas yeah, these guys who were a bit were of a feather stuff, in your cap. Yep, and these guys who were who got rides before they went pro and, and rode the factory bikes that the last year amateur, you know, when they got to the pro level, their bike wasn't going to get hardly any better, and for me like that was like that was the the carrot dangling in front of me is all right i keep grinding and i keep working and i get that opportunity and when i get on a good bike it's going to be that much better and you know that was something that there was the motivation that kept me going and um and obviously when i got there it was it was a shock it was a lot different but i think you look at a lot of the guys who who were on good stuff early you know they struggled because it wasn't it wasn't such an advantage um, you know, like there was a lot more of a level playing field and, and I'm all about being on a level, level playing field. Trust me. Like if there was a way that we can make everyone racing on the same equipment, um, you know, obviously it, it's not possible, but if we can make everyone on the exact same level playing field, I wouldn't be against it at all because then I think you would see this skill, um, really rise brought to the surface. Exactly. Brought to the surface that much more. 
Absolutely. And, and, and honestly, the, the proof of the pudding is in the eating and the fact that uh, when you did eventually get that uh, that, that factory-supported uh, ride, uh, 2015, your first year with, with Pro Circuit, um, you basically put your, your money where your mouth is and, uh, and backed it up. Literally the only time that you were outside the top five in that first uh, East Coast uh, Supercross series was uh, was the 20th in Indianapolis. Everything else was either a podium or uh, a, a top five finish. Pretty impressive. Um, how did you go from literally uh, missing Supercross altogether in 2014 to uh, swinging for the fences and damn near nabbing yourself a championship first time out? Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh... I've learned over time and, and especially making the transition to the farm. I think, um, at the end of the day, like, and I've told, I don't know if I've told Ricky this directly, but we've, we've joked about it, you know, like Ricky's not someone you go to for technique. And that's the bottom line. You know, he, he's, he's never been a pretty guy on the bike. His technique's never been perfect, but he got the job done. You know, and what Ricky, what Ricky brings to the table is the race craft and the race IQ. And I think that's something that, is so irreplaceable and priceless that it's like even to this day like i walk track i walk the track in the morning at super crosses and stuff when he's there and you know hey what about this line or like what do you think's gonna happen here and dude like the guy is, is incredible as far as knowing what's gonna happen how the track's gonna break down um you know and even watching him when he raced like just his thought process and the, and the lines and yeah he was a bulldog a lot but he was very smart about knowing when he could win and and he'd be the first one to tell you there was a lot of times where he he shouldn't have won but he got in behind james and you know he pressured him and it was to his limit but he didn't go over his limit and it was just long enough to get james to to melt down or or make a mistake and you know that's just a mentally strong side of him and also the the race craft and the iq to know hey like i could try to run his speed but i don't have it and all i'm doing is is putting myself at risk and the risk versus reward is, is something that, you know, he's really beaten in my head. And that's something that over time I've got better about practicing and, and off season and all that, you know, like you have to walk a very fine line, um, as far as what is, what is worth it and what's not, you know, like by doing this rhythm section, am I, is it really going to take me from being maybe, fifth of the opener to winning the opener you know like is is it worth it and that's something that um has made me smarter as far as uh staying away from from nagging injuries staying away from in- injuries in general it's just you know you have you have to put it on a scale and and weigh out the good versus the bad you know if everything goes right and it works out you know what do you gain from it and if the worst case scenario what happens and is it worth it? And if it's not worth it, then there's no, there's no reason. Um, and that's something that, you know, prior to going to the farm, it's not something that I really ever thought about. All I thought about was going big and, and just holding it wide open and sending it. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I experienced a lot more injuries, um, prior, prior to going to the farm. Um, but again, I, I, that's just his race craft and his IQ and what he brings to the table as far as, experience and knowledge is something that you know you you can't put a price on and is is still every weekend you know i walk the track i go to him and ask him hey like what do you what do you think you know and and a lot of times oh tell me something and i'm like you you're out of your mind he's like well why'd you ask me i'm like well i don't know because i figured you'd know he's like well if you don't believe me then don't ask me 
And, and I'm like, it's, not, it's not that I don't believe you. It's just that I just have a hard time seeing it. That's the way it's going to go. And, you know, and sure enough, here we are coming event time. And the line that's developing is a line that he said before, on track walk that was probably going to be the main line. And it's just, it's, uh, it's, it's impressive, man. And, and even still off the bike, the guys, you know, you wouldn't believe it, but the guy's in shape still. Um, I shouldn't say in shape. The guy is, he's not afraid to suffer. And I'll tell you what, man, if, if you put him up against anyone on the starting line active right now, he'd, he'd have a shot. And that's just because, dude, the guy loves to suffer. He gets, he gets like this deep down joy of just being in pain. And I think that's something that, you know, even when he raced was such an advantage for him. Anytime we get an opportunity to go hard or to do something that sucks, he loves it. And, yeah. you know, I, I think, I think if, if I can, and I'm getting a little bit more like that, obviously no one likes to do anything that's not fun, but if you can see the, the positive in it and maybe try to enjoy it more, I, I think it's, it's very helpful. Um, you know, it just makes the work that much easier. And like I said, man, the dude is, the dude's gnarly and he still is and he loves to suffer and, Time and time again, we go on bike rides and stuff, man. He's he's just to amaze me that he's just he's still gnarly. He's still got it. That internal motor is is still there. You know, it's not he's not the same guy that he once was, but you know, he's older. Um, you know, he's not in the same spot as he once was, but he's still just the dude's gnarly, and that's you know that's all I can say about it. So, yeah, what's up, Colton Barney of Patched MX? Him. Pastemex, the same place where I can get absolutely one of a kind, 100% custom butt patches in liquid fast turnaround time. What's going on, brother? Oh, not much, dude. Just uh, cranking out the weekly orders and uh, time to start thinking about some big events coming up. No doubt. On, on the horizon is Monster Cup, as well as, of course, uh, last year you did uh, a special butt patch for uh, AJ Catanzaro for the Red Bull Straight Rhythm. What is it you're working on this week, my friend? Mm-hmm. Um, dude, I don't know. I, I think I should just keep it a secret and let everyone find out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, if, if people wanted to find out, would they have to go follow you over at Patched MX? Exactly, yep. Just stay tuned on Patched MX and uh, keep everyone updated on uh, bike builds and stuff I'm going to be featured in. So yeah, stay updated. Fair enough. Well, this is this little uh, two minute conversation is going to be featured in my podcast with Factory Frank Mann uh, out of Georgia, and I think the two of uh, two of us need to maybe collab a little bit to get uh, some butt patches over to Frank, who uh, is a uh, an FXR uh, brand ambassador. Uh, maybe we could like, uh, much like you're being very secretive as far as what you're working on. Maybe you and I need to team up on for a, a top secret, uh, uh, effort to, uh, to really, um, put, uh, put something serious on the, on the back of, uh, of Frank's pants. Sound good? Oh yeah, let's do it. Um, I think people are really stoked when they suddenly get a butt patch and they're like, wow, never thought of this. No doubt. What's more factory than having butt patches? You know what I mean? Like factory Frank Mann needs to have that exactly. because all the factory guys have butt patches. Yep, exactly. Go. Gotta look fast, be fast. So, like with with, with you, I, I can get a, I can get butt patches. I can get uh, jersey lettering and stuff like that. Multicolor, mind you, as well with the uh, the jersey lettering. 
Um, and if I'm no good with a sewing machine, maybe I don't even own one. Could I send you my pants and you could install them for me? Oh, 100%. I uh, actually install for free. I just ask that you cover shipping charges. So simple as that. Yeah, if I can, if I can bear to be well at my uh, motocross pants for uh, for a week, uh, quickly uh, ship those things off to you, send them on back to me, and I got those things installed, secure, and not worried about uh, my my sketchy stitching uh, falling out and, and having uh, losing my butt patch while I'm riding out there. And uh, you as well as I know, I don't nearly ride enough, so I, I could probably uh, stand to get, uh, have one or two sets of uh, pants out of my possession for about a week's time. Um, if people are not already following you on social media, Colton, where do they find you? Um, on Instagram, it is at PatchedMX, and then you can find me on Facebook as well, PatchedMX. So. Oh, that's that easy, guys. Go ahead. Go find Colton. Uh, tell me how much you love his butt patches. Go get uh, something one-of-a-kind for yourself. Colton, appreciate you always taking my call. Yep, thank you for having me on uh, weekly. It's been a big help, so I appreciate it. There we go. And if anyone wants to save 15% on butt patches, they can go to patchedmx.com and enter discount code BIGMX15 upon checkout. Colton, we'll talk to you later. Cool. Sounds good. Thanks, man. Hey, BIGMX listeners. Thanks for listening to this episode. Check out these commercials, support our sponsors, and we'll be right back to the show. Thanks for listening. Hey, BIGMX listeners. Let's talk a little bit about Sick Wicks Candles. Sick Wicks is the small business that you may not have heard of so far, and that's why they're on the show right now. That's why we need to get you informed. Soy-based candles are phenomenal. They're not made with the same harmful chemicals that a paraffin wax candle are made from, and the scents are unbelievable. You need to check these out. The Morning Moto smells like coffee. The Privateer smells like beer, as it should. All these awesome candles, you got to check them out. They're motocross, dedicated, and uh, they, they, they burn nice and clean. they got that wood wick that sounds awesome. It, it, Pops and crackles just like a real fire, and uh, it's gonna make your garage smell better. It's gonna make your living room smell better. And if you take them into the bedroom, don't tell me about it, but enjoy it. You're gonna love these candles, and you can find them at sickwicks.com. Head there right now, enjoy them, and you're gonna love them. Absolutely, check them out. Only recently have the health benefits of CBD products been acknowledged by the masses. CBD is every bit as powerful as it is misunderstood. In the past, we've known so little about a vital system that exists in every single one of us. Medterra CBD products promote wellness and overall improved health so that you can be your very best each day. A passionate and dedicated staff have developed an impressive lineup of CBD products which help as a sleep aid, an anti-inflammatory, and for pain relief. Why choose Medterra CBD? Medterra CBD products are of the highest quality Purity tests are done extremely frequently, and their responsive and dedicated customer care team will guide you through your CBD journey. For more information or to browse Medterra CBD's products, please visit www.medterracbd.com. Medterra CBD, our CBD, your health. Since 1979, Maxima USA has changed lubrication. Industry-leading products have equated to hundreds of championships wherever quality lubricants are needed. Maxima has built a reputation for great quality by earning lifelong customers one at a time. Customers who trust in the complete lineup of products from Maxima USA. 
from our flagship Castor 927 mixing oil to our famous SC1 and the full array of market-leading products, Maxima has what you need on the track and in the garage. Maxima racing oils are proudly made in the USA. For more information, visit www.maximausa.com. Big MX listeners, Supercross season is coming, and that means the return of the collective experience. Nobody brings you closer. Nobody gives you an exclusive experience where you are part of a privateer's racing program throughout the day. I'm talking pre-race strategy, filming practice sessions, talking about the racetrack, meeting the riders, getting cool swag, getting to hang out with guys like Dave Drakes, getting to hang out with guys like me at the track. It's an awesome program, and the money goes right back to the privateers. You're actually supporting their racing program, and you get a really cool experience. Check it out, Google. The collective experience, first thing that pops up, you can check out their intern program. You can check out all that fun stuff. You guys need to get on this program. Check it out. You can like Collective EX, I believe, on Instagram. Uh, the Collective XP is their uh, website, I believe. Check them out. The Collective Experience. Dave Drake's over there. Great friend of mine. And he wants you guys to be part of this program. Check it out. Can't wait to see you there. The Collective Experience. A proud sponsor of the Big MX Radio Podcast. What's up, Big MX Radio listeners? I can't thank you enough for listening to this episode of the Big MX Radio Podcast. It means so much to me that you guys would take time out of your day to listen to the podcast. Hopefully you're entertained. Hopefully you guys find some information that you didn't already get from another podcast. And uh, if you guys have any requests whatsoever on content you'd like to see on the Big MX Radio Podcast, please send me either a direct message on Instagram. If you're not already following, I hope you do. It's Brad Gebhardt 88 on Instagram. And you can also find me via email, bradgebhardt 88 at gmail.com. Hit me up in the DMs. And uh, thank you again for listening to these uh, really important commercials. Uh, we do our best to uh, plug our sponsors. And I hope that you guys support our sponsors like Medterra CBD, as well as uh, Maxima Racing Oils and uh, Fly Racing is coming on soon. And uh, really looking forward to that. So thanks again for listening to the Big MX Radio Podcast. Garrett, Dale, all, all my good friends that are listening. I really appreciate you guys uh, making the time to listen to the podcast. And uh, thanks again. And uh, let's get back to the show. Absolutely. This, this is Ricky Carmichael we're talking about. We're talking about the GOAT, the guy who uh, went throughout his career, when it was hot, he's rubbing his hands, he's being like, yeah, I've got these guys today. Can't wait to get out there. While everybody else is just dreading to go out there. Same thing when it was muddy, hot, slick. Doesn't matter. Uh, he always, literally, like, if, if it was adversity, he, he just was drawn to it, I, I feel like. And I think that's probably one of the most uh, valuable qualities you can have as a competitor is when the rest of your competition are uh, are, are sort of uh, shying away, that you're, you're going in there guns a-blazing. And uh, I feel like that's something that uh, he's definitely passed along to you. I think that that's something that I've noticed mostly in, uh, in your outlook on uh, your own performances. And I think that's maybe where the, the sort of the seed as to where uh, people have sort of uh, had, like the, the majority of fans seem to, uh, on it, like without uh, finding a better word, but give you a lot of shit about it, is that you don't, like, you're, you're not happy when you, you don't win. 
and you're not, you're you're not happy when you don't win by the amount that you thought you should win by. Like uh, there's a lot of times where I, I didn't interview you. It was even after uh, your Anaheim two uh, victory in 2018, where you won the damn race. And uh, if you listen to uh, our our post race interview. You swear you didn't win the damn race, man. Like, it was just, it's uh, that, like, that mentality of, like, uh, it wasn't exactly how it was supposed to be. It wasn't how we prepared for it. It needs to be better. And I think that's something that gets cultivated at the goat farm. I think that's sort of a a mantra that's really uh, perpetuated there. And uh, I think maybe that's sort of where this, sort of the stem from uh, some of the backlash that you get on social media is, uh, is because a lot of these fans, like, uh, sort of see you as almost a bit of a, like almost like an Eeyore type of uh, uh, um, personality that it's never good enough. I was never fast enough, blah, 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 blah. And uh, I think that maybe just that f- the fact that uh, you guys are so hungry for success and you know how to get it is, uh, is maybe what uh, makes you guys so hard to understand sometimes when guys like myself just to be able to uh, go around the track with uh, the, the way you guys do it, some uh, sort of proficiency we'd be stoked on that but that's not the same for you guys no and it's man it is a lot it's taken the wrong way a lot of the times um i don't want to say it's misunderstood but i could do a better job of of explaining um how i or why i feel the way i do and obviously when we win it's a great night but it's the the minute you, and this has always been my mentality, is is the minute that you become satisfied with what you've done is the minute you start to lose. And, you know, like, and even on those nights that we've won, it was great, but on those nights, you know, like, I just think of, not the negatives, but I think of what could have, like, what could I have done better, um, you know, what would have made the race easier for me? And whether it had been the whoops that night or taking a different line or or doing something differently i look at if i would have done this differently it would have made my night that much easier you know like not that i would have won by more but i could have had um you know i could have been a little bit more relaxed in these areas had i just fixed this area and it's it's the it's just the never being satisfied with with where we're at and you know and i think i don't want to say that's how a lot of people are but I'm, you know, I, I know I can always be better, you know, like no matter where I'm at, no matter, no matter where anyone's at, there's always room for improvement. So the minute that you, you do something and you're like, oh yeah, that was awesome, man. That was, that was the best, that was the best race ever. I'm satisfied. Then it's like, then you go into the week with the mentality of, oh dude, I'm, I was the fastest guy. Like all you gotta do is just get through this week and I'll do it again next week. Um, you know, and honestly, it's, a lot of those races that I did well or I won or anything, I always had the mentality of like, I was not scared, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to be beat. And I always thought about like, where, where were they faster than me? And how can I fix that? Because I just always felt like, you know, and obviously when you're, when you're winning, you do have a target on your back and there's always people after you. So, it's not so much that I was negative or that I that I'm never happy. It's just I'm, my mind's always turning, and I'm always trying to figure out. All right, that was good, but you know, like if I had to pick one area on the track where I struggled the most, where was it, and how do I fix it? And you know, and and maybe I I need to go about it a different way to where people can follow along or understand. Um, you know, but like I'll never 
be a guy who comes on the TV and is just over the top excited and just completely satisfied, you know, and that's just the, the competitor in me. And that's just the, the drive to want to be better than I already am. And, you know, and if people don't get that, then, then I don't know what to tell them. And, and I think that's just, if I did it a better way and communicated it better or got the message across more clearly, I don't think I would be as misunderstood as maybe what I am now. Um, and maybe not even misunderstood. Maybe I wouldn't catch as much shit as, as I do currently. Um, and that's just, and again, I could do a better job of explaining the message or what I'm trying to get across. It's just, um, obviously, any weekend that, every weekend's a good weekend that I'm racing a dirt bike. But there's always the desire and the drive and the want to have more. And that's just the human and that's just the human nature um you know like you ask anybody you ask bill gates you know how much money you made this year say five million well you wish you made more of course i wish i made six million you know and and that's just it's and and that's what i speak on earlier that's a little bit of the selfishness in us you know like it's and it's not always so much money related it's hey you know like i had you know we went on this many dates this year you know that's, that's awesome but like what if we went on more next year um, you know, or I don't know, my baby girl, she did this this year. Well, that's awesome, but maybe she could do this this time next year. And it's always the the want and the drive to have more. And if people can't understand that um, or or how that works, then then I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just wired differently. But it's, <laughs> certainly you know, are. It's not. I would say uh, professional athletes have to be. Yeah, it's just it's just the you have to understand like where where we come from and, and growing up and you know this is all we've done and it's always i can be better i can be better i can be better and like i said at the end of the day if i maybe if i work on getting the message across better um or more clearly you know maybe people will start to understand understand it more and understand that i'm not this um negative like uh self-centered guy you know like i'm really just a pretty chill dude who enjoys you know i enjoy riding and i enjoy hanging out with with company and um you know i enjoy golfing and i enjoy being a normal human it's just you know being under the microscope um all the time it's not easy and you know you're always judged off what you do and you know these guys on the internet who just want to talk trash it's it's so easy for them to do it because no one's you know going through their profile and getting people blowing them out so it's it's really easy to be on the other side of the fence. Now, of course, I wouldn't change it for the world because, you know, I love where I'm at and I've worked my butt off to get here. But it's just people take what I say the wrong way and whether that be I don't get the message across or they just feel like I'm the guy they, they, they want to to pick on or, or try to bully. I don't know. It doesn't bother me. Like, I reply to people because I want to try to get the message out there and set it straight. And there's a lot of people who think that I reply to people because it bothers me. And it doesn't bother me at all. Because at the end of the day, like, I know what I bring to the table and, and I'm totally comfortable where I'm at. But a lot of times I do reply to people because I don't, I want to get the right message across, you know? Like, I don't want there to be a false false image or, or anything like that out there. Um, you know, and at the end of the day, to make this whole long spiel short is, if I change the message or, or I change how I deliver it, you know, I think uh, I could probably eliminate a lot of it. 
Absolutely. Well, I, I think rolling into 2019 uh, 450 class, um, honestly, like the, the where your uh, like sort of like quote unquote approval rating was, I, I think you might be you would have been the, the only pro guy to ever put out a two stroke edit and actually get some dislikes on that video. That's where we were at with that. I think that you're slowly starting to change that rhetoric. But uh, and I, and, but by the way, I don't think we're going to see a two stroke edit from from you anytime soon uh, for whatever reason. But uh, um, like. Uh, 2019, you roll in uh, uh, as a 450 rookie. Um, like 2018 off season, uh, where was the decision at to get a one year deal with uh, with Kawasaki? Uh, were there other? Uh, did you have other option offers to go elsewhere uh, prior to talking to Kawasaki? I ass- I assume since you were on uh, PC that that conversation happened uh, started a long time prior to signing that contract. Um, and, and like, I think you're the kind of guy who actually sort of, uh, has a bit of a fire lit under your butt when you get a one year deal. Like uh, there, there's a certain amount of, there's a, uh, a piece of mind with a three year deal, but there's also a lot of motivation that comes with, uh, with a one year deal. Uh, maybe unpack that a little bit. And maybe if you could, if you can get into a little bit of, uh, uh, what the landscape was like for you as a like quote unquote free agent before you signed with Kawasaki for 2019. Yeah. I mean, it's my whole career it's been one year contracts and again you know people are going to knit and pick and be like oh well, boohoo and it's, it's not like that like at the end of the day everything that i've that i've gotten i've earned and i'm good with that um now would i love like a two-year with a third-year option of course that's awesome that would be ideal because then you know you you know you're going to be in the same spot for for at least two years if not three um, but that hasn't been the case for me. You know, every contract that I've gotten has been a one-year deal, um, you know, may, with a with a second-year option, depending if I meet certain things. Um, so nothing's ever been guaranteed, which, again, that's fine because, you know, then I go into the offseason and, and I got the fire lit and and uh, a chip on my shoulder because, you know, I, I want to prove, prove to the people that, hey, like, you don't believe in me, and I don't know why, but, you know, I'm going to do my homework and I'll show you that, you know, on that I'm reliable. And, uh, so coming into the 2018 or after 2018 coming into the off season, it was, I mean, I flew straight from Indiana, um, Ironman. I went straight to California and got on the bike. And I think we rode Tuesday. Um, you know, so like I, I wasted no time. I went straight to it and, and got right to work. And, uh, it was, I don't know that we would have had, uh, excuse me. I don't know that I would have had, any other offers um but the thing with cowie kind of had been in talks for a while um and that was just the route that i wanted to go um because i wanted to at least give it a shot and so coming into the end of the off season um you know obviously they made the announcement and um not being i guess the most fan favorite on social media i caught a lot of heat um as did Cowie for for hiring me um you know I caught a lot of a lot of heat a lot of people who wanted to see me fail and you know and that's one thing that I've said before that I'll say again I don't understand why people have such a hard-on or why people have such this fascination and desire to see someone fail I I guess I've never jealousy I would imagine yeah at the end of the day like 
I don't wish that upon anyone. And if someone's winning, then they're doing they're doing better than I am, and they're doing the job right. And you know, I can never take credit away from that. So I never line up on the gate wanting someone to fail. You know, like I wanted to show up and do better than them, and and you know, hold my head high and and go to bed knowing that you know I did a better job. I did the best job that I could, and it happened better than everyone else. Um, so like when I read the comments. You know, and I didn't even try to. They was just blowing up my feed that anytime I got on social media, it was everywhere. And people, you know, oh, by round two, he'll be out. It'll be a fill-in ride. And that'll be the end of it. You know, like, he's going to be a wash. He's going to be this. And it's like, you know, like, if you feel that way, then I get it. But, dude, give me a shot. You know, like, let me, give me an opportunity to try to prove myself before you just completely blow me out. You know, like. Again, I, I don't know. I don't want to just keep being a dead horse here. I did, I've just never understood why people have such a have such a want or or fascination with seeing someone fail. I, I just I don't get it. Um, you know, and I've I, I probably won't ever get it because I'll never be that person who is is wanting someone to do bad. Um, and it's just that's just how I am. You know, like hard work um, beats beats luck all day long. And you know, so like. I know what I bring to the table and I know I work hard and, you know, and that's all I can do. So uh, I guess coming into, into 2019, um, I don't want to say that I had a chip on my shoulder, but there was a deep, deep desire inside of me that really wanted to shut a lot of people up. And that's just simply because I, no one wanted to give me any, any credit. No one wanted to give me any respect. No one wanted to at least be like, Hey, Let's, let's see what this guy can do. Like, if we get halfway through the Supercross season and he's still not doing anything, then let's blow him out. And it was like, hey, dude hasn't even been on a Supercross track yet. We've never seen him on a 450. He's going to suck, and he's going to be out by round two or three, and it'll be a filling guy taking over a spot, and that's the end of it. It's like, so, you know, I had a lot of that built up where I wanted to, to make all those guys kind of bite their tongue or rethink what they said and, you know, and, and I, and I did that. At the end of the day, like I had a really good year. Um, Very could it have good been year. Better, of course. It could always be better. Could it have been worse? Could have been a lot worse. And I know what I took out of the year. I know what I've learned. Um, and that's just I, I take it week by week, and I move forward with it, and and I chalk it up. And you know, I, I learned a lot of things. And you know, like I was happy with how everything went. Would I have loved to have? done better absolutely but again that's just the competitor and the athlete in me wanting more and and I, I would be lying if I said that it didn't feel good to shut a lot of people up um you know and that's just and that's just the honest truth and that's not what I set out to do but if I marked if I marked it off along the way you better believe I would give myself a high five because it just it feels good when people don't believe in you and you go and you prove them wrong and yeah, it's just a pat on the back like hey you know you've been busting your butt and you've been doing the work and it's paying off you know good job and you know and the tide has changed a little bit there's a lot of people that maybe weren't a huge fan of me before that have kind of started to shift like hey you know like we're kind of on board now and and i think it's awesome i think you know like if i if i keep working on trying to to clear the message and and, and get myself out there a little bit more i think people are going to understand that um I'm a pretty normal dude, and um, I think it's tough to read. I think I'm very—I'm a tough person to read because I'm so quiet 
and I don't I don't speak in front of people I don't know and that's just because I don't know who they are and I don't know what their intentions are and you know and that's that's the, the defense in me is is not that not that anyone's out to get me but you know you just always have to cover your bases and you know when you're around people you don't know you don't you don't speak upon things that you don't want other people to know because you don't know where they're going to take it you don't know if they got you on audio it's just you just have to be very careful when you're under the spotlight um and and people take that the wrong way and they take that as just stuck up or selfish or self-centered and it's, it's really not it's just i'm not an out i'm not a super talkative person i'm not outgoing um until i get to know people um and then once you get to know me you know you'll probably regret that you know me because you want me to go back to how i was quit talking but that's just, <laughs> that's just me you know like i'm not i'm not an over-the-top person um and and i've never been that way i've always been quiet um quiet and shy to be quite honest and i guess that that can come off as as arrogant and, and self-centered um depending on how you look at it definitely uh, and uh yeah like uh, quiet can de- can uh like um there's just a lot of misunderstandings going on there because there's uh with with silence comes uh people who just speculate and people who sort of uh like just like they they fill in the gaps with their own uh, uh rhetorics and stuff like that um there's there's a lot of this. There was a lot of talk about at the beginning of the season about obviously you probably should have had your first race win on a 450 uh, before the season even started. Uh, of course, you pull over uh, so that Eli can win um, the uh, the the Monster Million. He was going for three in a row. Uh, not uh, not a like you, this, the that position was basically the difference between you getting second or third on the on the race weekend. So obviously the right thing to do if. I think you said in a different uh, interview that if uh, if if you were in the same position, you'd hope that somebody recognizes the situation and hands you a million dollars or whatever it is after tax uh, by by doing so. Um, but uh, uh, and understandably so, you regret that decision, and uh, I completely understand that because we're talking about a guy who's walked away from me in the middle of an interview because I mentioned arm pump. So um, like maybe unpack that a little bit, like uh, like the fact that. Um, like you really had a lot of things like I wouldn't say against you, but a lot of adversity in your first 450 season. First 450 season in which you have to uh, produce because you're on a one-year deal. Um, uh, the fact that uh, you're you're on a, on a team with uh, the, the what uh, three-time now three-time outdoor champion probably should be three three-time a Supercross champion if not for uh, some mishaps here and there. Um, and, and a guy who I'm not sure sure if uh, he's like super. Uh, he probably might be even quieter than you are. Uh, so uh, maybe unpack that a little bit. And uh, like, I, I understand that maybe there's a little some 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 hard feelings about at least that particular evening and the fact that uh, um, like just the whole move over and um, yeah, like giving a guy a position and then not really getting the the respect and uh, an adulation afterwards. Because uh, I think you at least uh, were owed a high five after that one. Yeah, I mean at the end of the day, like. Um, I think from what little bit of feedback I've gotten, um, obviously I don't read forum boards and I don't really try to read any of that stuff, but I have friends who, who get on there to, to give me the down low. And basically from, from what I've understood, people have, have taken the message the wrong way. So at the end of the day, I regret the decision and, and I regret the decision because I never, it was never acknowledged. Um, right. would I have loved, would I have loved to have gotten a cut? Of course, you know, like 
I don't care who you are. Anyone who does something for someone would love some return. But yeah, he probably bonused out crayons. Yeah, and when I did it, I, when I pulled over, I wasn't like, oh, dude, when I pull over, I'm going to get 100000 or I'm going to get this much. It was, hey, the dude got a million dollars on the line versus 100000 to win. I know what I would do if I was in his situation and how pissed I would be if my teammate didn't help me out. So I did what was right. And when I did it, I just, all, I literally, all I wanted was like a high five, like a dude, thank you. Like, I think I still would have passed you, but you made it that much easier for me. And I appreciate that. And did, I would have been good with that. And, and had he thrown me money, that would have been sweet, but he didn't. And he never acknowledged it. And he never said, thank you. And there's so many there's, there's a lot of mixed feelings because people are like, oh, he would have got him anyway. He might have, but I can tell you right now, you ask me, there's no chance he would have got me. And people yeah. are like, oh, well, you know, he would have Osborne him. Okay, that's fine. Let him come in kamikaze. And then he tries, <laughs> he, try, he, he takes me out, and God forbid he takes both of us out, and then guess what? Then neither of us win. So yeah. there's, a, there's a risk factor to him being in a, in a corner. Because then he has no choice but to try and force the issue um, to get around me. And then he puts both of us in danger. And for me, like, I would have loved to have gone on and, and won that moto and got second overall. And that would have been sweet. But that wasn't the right thing to do. And all I wanted was, hey, dude, thank you. And that's it. Just thanks. I appreciate that. Or you made it easier for me. Like, I don't, whatever. Just acknowledgement that I helped him, and I, or or I made it easier for him, and I never got that, and that was, and that was the reasoning why I said I'll never do it again. It has nothing to do with I didn't get paid, I didn't get money, I didn't get this. It was simply because I never got acknowledgement, and that was the end of that. That was the bottom line. All I wanted was a simple thanks or I appreciate it. And I never got that. And that, and for that reason is why I, I would never, I'll never do that again. And if I could go back, I, there's no chance that I would pull over. No, no amount of money would make me do that simply because of just the straight, what I felt like was a slap in the face to me, you know? And it's just, uh, I don't know, man. I don't, I'm not going to sit here and go, go on and on yeah, about it because it, it's just, it's tough. I'm not in a. I'm not in a great spot, and you know, and, and like I did that interview on Swap Moto, and and I evented for a while, and you know, like and people, I saw people on there too, or people were talking that I burned the bridge with Cowie. At the end of the day, like, dude, there's a lot of people at Cowie that I have a lot of love for, and they've done nothing but help me. And all I said, and maybe again, it didn't come off the right way, but all I wanted from Cali was just a little bit of respect you know like you could like all I wanted him to do was wait until at least the last round before they announced that they were signing Adam you know like it, right. at least give me the give me the respect that I felt like I deserved you know like I proved myself um you know like I did them good I made them look good like you know they took a gamble on me and they straight up told me like hey we're catching a lot of heat for hiring you and you know I did everything in my power to make sure that they they didn't look dumb and yeah. that they made it despite the right a lot of uh, bike bike bikes breaking throughout the year by the way <laughs> yeah and it's just you know like i did everything in my power to make sure that they looked 
like they made the right decision. And, you know, all I wanted was enough respect for where, hey, let's wait till the last round. And then, like, dude, let's announce it on the podium when Adam wins. Like, let's announce that we're signing him there. You know, like, and I would have been fine with that. But, you know, they, they announced it early. So then every weekend we go and we sign autographs, I got to sit next to the guy and I got to hear everyone come through and congratulate him on the ride you know and that's my ride and I'm still on the team and you know it just I don't know hindsight mm-hmm. I wish they would have done a few things different but at the end of the day like like I said I got a lot of love for a lot of people over there because they helped they helped me and they helped get me to where I was during the year and you know and they put in a lot of work and they didn't have to um you know and all the way up to the last round we were we were trying things and um like I said, I, I think people, I, maybe I didn't deliver that message the right way, but I have a lot of respect um, for a lot of people at Cowie, and I just wish that that they would have done things differently. That's all. For sure. I, I totally respect that. Like, uh, like uh, it's, a, it's a lot like, uh, um, like, just, like, they're, they're talking about, like, say if they had, like, a, a guy who's uh, retiring at the end of the season, or maybe, like, the, the guy that's... Um, not like for for a sports team like a, like a, a football team uh, already naming the starting quarterback next year before this season's even over like hey can can you let me at least finish out the year before you crown the next guy and uh, and and that yeah like, and people people aren't stupid they know that there's there's two rides underneath the Cowie truck and and if there's two guys in, uh, announced one of them uh, from this year is not going to be there and uh, and from there um, like you're you're sort of uh, left sitting with people sort of staring at you like oh what are you going to do uh, and to which that I, I ask you what are you going to do next year I know uh, things are still up in the air for you but. Uh, uh, are you riding at all? Um, what's what's sort of the the vibe around uh, with your uh, your your agent uh, uh, Lewis Murrell? Like, what's uh, what's going on there? Oh, man, I wish I had an answer. Um, <laughs> as of right now, I'm uh, trying to enjoy enjoy the time I have at home, um, and you know, like worst comes to Two worst, strokes. I'll be at Anaheim. I'll be at Anaheim one, one way or another, whether it be on my own dime or, or with a team. But um, you know, it. I'll I'll be there. Um, but I don't have anything as of right now, and uh, you know, obviously still, still working on some things, and we're trying to finalize things to make it happen. Um, and you know, it's, again, it's it's crazy um, that, that I I just look back on the year, and you know, whether people want to agree with me or not, I think on almost any given day um you know i i have the speed to be a top five guy and um here we are nine months later and you know after such a good year obviously outdoors was rough for a while but the last three races i raced i never finished worse than six um and like i said people might not agree but i think on any given night i have the speed to be a top five guy and like i said here we are nine months later and i don't have a ride and it's uh it's it's tough because there's not there's not too many people that you know that i guess have had the, had the results i did that ended up um with nothing or 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 this late in the year and still don't have anything um but again you know when when that offer comes or when that opportunity comes and when things start to to align and and i get it figured out you know um put my head down and, and get to work and uh put the coals in the fire and, and uh get ready for 2020 
Absolutely, and, and whoever sets your suspension up for A1 uh, is going to have to maybe uh, go up or t- uh, go up one or two spring rates because I can only imagine the chip uh, on your shoulder and how big that thing's going to be, how heavy that thing's going to be uh, once you do, in fact, uh, get your ride for 2020. Uh, I, I I doubt, I don't think there's a chance in hell that you don't have a ride uh, come An- Anaheim one. Um, but uh, I I would imagine you're coming uh, a man on a mission. I look at a guy who. Uh, raced the the outdoor season this last year in the 450 class and if you just looked at results you'd think like oh man like so a lot of up and down results some some top tens something in the teens but if you open up those results and and look at the moto scores most of those uh overalls in the in the teens were were done so with one moto score because a lot of the second motos were uh whether it be a bike malfunction or something along those lines um, how frustrating was that to, to go through this last summer, uh, including uh, Spring Creek, the closest national to me, the one that I go to every year, uh, where uh, you were left with uh, uh, not a shifter or a, f- a foot peg, which is very difficult to ride without those two things. I'd, le- I'd let most people know. Yeah, it's uh, man. At the end of the day, like we did have issues, um, some self-inflicted and, and some out of my hands. Um, and some of them were just weird deals, like weird things that, you know, shouldn't ever happen and, and happened. And, you know, we had, I think, one, uh, I think only one, maybe two during Supercross. And then obviously we had, we had a little bit more, uh, more come outdoor, but, you know, like it's just, it was a lot of weird things. Um, but again, you know, coming into the season, uh, we had no testing. Um, I was hurt. Obviously, I, I, I pulled my shoulder out in in, in uh, Nashville uh, while running second that race, um, and, and and actually catching catching Cooper uh, for the lead. Um, we had won the heat race that night. Everything felt good, and you know, just a simple mistake. And had a you know hurt my shoulder and um, came back the following week and and raced Denver. And we ended up uh, fifth, I think, that night. And um, so you know, like we had a lot of positives. Um, but I think it's so easy for people to see the bad results and to forget about everything else we did. And, um, like I said, at the end of the day, like I was never comfortable all year and, and that's no one's fault at all. It's just, it's just a lack of time. And, you know, we didn't have as much testing time as other people. And, um, you know, we we were so far, I took uh, two and a half weeks off from Vegas, um, try to get my leg better and then obviously during supercross uh, from nashville on i think nashville was around 13 um i think i rode two or three times from around 13 to vegas um so it was a lot of downtime in there which i would have liked to have been riding some outdoor testing didn't get to test after vegas showed up to colorado basically to test um and you know we're so far behind the eight ball at that point that we spent the rest yeah. of the year trying to catch whereas everyone else is kind of got their setting from a pretty early early point in the year yeah that's mid-season form for a lot of guys yep and they basically make little adjustments along the way and um little adjustments to something that they're already comfortable with and i was never once comfortable all year um but like i said the last three rounds that i raced um you know we were never worse than six um so you know like by that point in the year did we get better? I don't know so much that uh, I got better. I learned um, the characteristics of the motorcycle. I learned how to ride the motorcycle. I had to change how I rode it. Um, 
it wasn't the priority. It wasn't my main, it wasn't the ideal way to ride the bike, but you know, I, I had to learn. And unfortunately that took, um, that took a while to kind of figure it out. Um, but then, you know, like we had places like Southwick, we were running, I think fifth, uh, fifth or sixth for a while, catching up, catching the, the people in front of me, I think maybe for fifth, um, maybe fourth, I can't remember. And then, you know, we had a, we had a clutch issue and, uh, was forced to, to come out of that race early. And then, you know, like a lot of people think, oh, well, if you don't finish the first moto, you're, you're more energized and ready for second moto. But a lot of the times it almost, it's almost worse because you get out of the rhythm Yeah, you, know, you, you don't finish the race and, and you don't have the flow, you know? So second moto wasn't great. Um, but you know, and then you go places like Millville, uh, where it was super muddy and had like a weird, uh, a weird weird radiator yeah. deal happened and uh it's just like i said dude it was a lot of weird things and things that never should happen that just happened and i don't you know I, I don't point fingers at anyone um you know i think the group of people around me on the team we did everything we could to to make the bike the best that we could and um yeah i mean like i, like I said i stick to what i said uh any given weekend i think um you know i, ha- I had the speed this past year to be a top five guy and people can argue that all they want but you know i think the proof is is in the pudding and i think you look at qualifying and and, and results that you know that i stayed up both motos and uh you know i think it's it's pretty much uh pretty much there absolutely i i think you had a very successful uh season in the 450 class uh as a rookie season um if i do say so myself very impressed it, that and the fact that like like you can, I, I can speak to this. You can speak to this. Racing with a freshly dislocated shoulder sucks. Like I, I dislocated my shoulder in May. Uh, probably I, I spent at least three weeks off the bike completely. Probably should have spent five weeks off the bike altogether. Um, maybe speak to that a little bit and the un, like the, the instability of the shoulder joint after uh, and having to race on it like that. That's no small task. And uh, and you did so this last year, which was uh, um, both ill advised and hard to do. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, the shoulder. Thankfully, it wasn't worse than it was because uh, initially I sit on the tough block and I thought my shoulder was still out. Um, but when I got to the tough block and the way that I, the way I sat down, um, I could, I think I, I kind of rolled it back in. Um, oh, that's good. And because it was like, a, it was a I can't, it was very painful. And then when I sat down on the tough block, I like, I picked my leg up and hit my bottom of my arm and like moved my arm and the pain was different. Um, you know, and then I, I got checked out the asterisk rig and like, no, you're good. Like shoulder's not out. Um, you know, and, and I got, I came home and I got some additional tests. Um, and obviously, you know, my doctor back here, Dr. Bird is, has worked on me since I was about 12 years old. And, you know, he's like, Hey, you know, I'm not going to tell you don't, but you know, your risk of making it worse go up if you go racing. Um, and obviously if you stay off the ground, you should be okay. But if you hit the ground again, you know, it's not going to be good. And if that shoulder comes back out, it's not good. Um, and to do what we did, I think was, has, uh, maybe that's probably one of the highlights of the year. Um, you know, we show up first two practices, a struggle, like no tomorrow. And basically after the second, we had the untimed and the first time. And after the first time I came back and I, we sat down, um, and basically, I was like, dude, I don't think I can do it. I think we're going to have to bow out. And, um, you know, 
basically I went over to uh, Dr. G and, and had him retape me up for the final session. I said, I'll go out. I'll give it a shot. But, you know, like I had a goal. If I wasn't inside the top 10 qualifying, um, then I wasn't going racing. And, you know, we went out for the final practice session and, um, I guess uh, the man upstairs had, had a better plan for me, and I think we qualified third that night. Um, there you go. And, you know, I just, you come off in practice, and I got a smile on my face. My mechanic, he's like, well, I guess we're going racing. And it's like, yeah, you know, we're here, and it's time to do what we can do. And uh, struggled in the heat race and the main event. Man, we got a – we got, I think we got the whole shot or a good start. I can't remember. And uh, we ran uh, ran up there for a while. Um, with that one with Justin Bogle for – fourth and uh i should have had him but you know it should have would have could have and uh, i think we ended up fifth on the night so you know from seven days prior to sitting on the ground um in nashville with my shoulder out to to being inside the top five the following weekend i think is something that uh wasn't overlooked but i just didn't bring a lot of a light to it you know um i didn't make a big deal out of it um but looking back on it for sure i think that's one of the probably one of the coolest things that i had done during the year and that's just you know putting a putting the pain aside and you know and keeping the head down and staying determined to uh to get points that was the main goal is to try to maximize points that night so no doubt well you got some big balls on you my friend and uh i really appreciate uh you, you going out there and, and risking it all for for us who uh to line the fences and watch you guys do it Joey, this has been an awesome interview. Uh, thank you so much for giving me as much time as you've given me already. Uh, let's say we wrap up this conversation with some fun questions just so the fans can kind of get to know uh, Joey Savacci on the uh, on, a, on a different level than just motocross. Sound good? Sounds good, man. All right. Uh, you're going on a golf trip. One of your friends and two golf pros. Who are you going with and where are you golfing? Ooh, that's tough. <laughs> Uh man. Uh see the problem is, is I know that when this interview gets released, whoever I name and whoever I don't name, I'm getting a text from. Yes. Um That's tough. Man, I guess uh I don't know, man. I guess I have to go with uh a friend of mine, Caleb. Um, I was going to pick my brother-in-law, but I can't do that. His, his head's already too big. So I'll go with Perfect. Caleb and the two pros. Let's see. Uh, I think for sure Tiger. I think you're okay. crazy if you don't pick Tiger. Yep. And uh, I think i got to go with my boy, Ricky Fowler. I think uh, Fowler and Tiger and uh, have a good time, man. I think it would be awesome. So it's you and Tiger versus uh, Caleb and Ricky. Yep. Oh, that's uh, I don't I don't like Caleb's chances, uh, but uh, uh, that that would be awesome. Uh, growing up, if you were anything uh, like like myself, just an absolute fan of the sport, loving it, uh, and just like just surrounding yourself with it, obviously you're a whole lot faster than I ever was, uh, and currently am. Uh, but uh, what motocross video did you watch over and over and over and over until your parents uh, finally hit it on you, or maybe the, the disc broke, or if you're old enough to have had a, a VHS of the damn thing? What what was the video I that you got you, you played too much? Uh, man, that's tough. I want to say I watched Krusty Demon um, quite a few times, and then obviously, like I don't, I don't want to say I was still a kid, but uh, was a maybe it was a young teen. I don't know when uh, the Great Outdoors came out. The one with uh, Wyndham's mechanic China, who actually was my mechanic at one point, doing the right. signature bark in the That's morning. That's three. I can't. Remember. Is that three? Yeah. 
That was 03. It's okay. So that, that, uh, I think I watched that one a lot. Um, that was probably one of my favorites to watch. That and obviously Krusty Demons. I know it's probably two completely different paced videos, but that's fine. Um, those, those two stick out the most to me as far as ones that I watched quite a bit when I was younger. Oh yeah, great outdoors. Those were like my 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 Bible. Those stuff. I I would just get into those things over and over and over again. Of course, being from Canada, we get uh, uh, six feet of snow outside, and we just watch motocross videos until the sun uh, snow goes away. Um, first thing in the morning, I imagine like, you're you're a coffee guy. I think. How do you do your coffee in the morning? I'm not, actually not, man. I have such no. a uh, such a. I have a really bad stomach. Um, okay. I had small intestine small intestine surgery. Uh, in 2010 or 11-ish, um, and I have a lot of food allergies, so coffee doesn't sit well on my stomach. Um, so as, trust me, especially right now with uh, the sleep schedule that I have, I think coffee would make my days a little bit easier. But uh, no, man, I'm not I'm not a coffee guy. But if I, I mean, I have drank it before, but I, my dad's kind of like one of those guys that drinks it black, and I tell him it's burnt water, but if yeah. I drink coffee, it's got to be, you know, it's got to be flavorful. I got to have cream and sugar. I got to have all sorts of goodies in it. So I'm not Fair a, enough. I'm not a straight black guy across the board. Fair enough. Well, uh, the, I, I was the, uh, uh, like need to have a bunch of sugar and it's recently switched for hell, uh, for fitness reasons, uh, to, to black coffee. It's not my favorite switch, but we, we, we do that cause we like to suffer sometimes. Um, Say uh, someone actually uh, took your uh, your daughter for the night. It's a it's a date night for you and Megan. Uh, you're cooking dinner. What's for dinner? Ooh, so that's tough because I'm not I'm not a good cook. Um, that's fine. Could be a grilled cheese. And I, yeah, and I I really wish I was. Um, and I can't remember the name of the app right now off the top of my head, but I think it was Yumly. Okay. Um, but dude, I'm I'm kind of like on this Chinese kick lately, so I'd probably like to do some some type of orange chicken uh, with rice and some veggies. Um, I don't know if, if Megan would be down for that, but I catch a lot of I catch a lot of crap because I when I'm by myself, I cook tacos and I do pasta. Those are like my two things that I live off of. And so anytime Megan, you know, asks me what I want for dinner or if I'm going to make dinner, my two answers are always either pasta or tacos. But um, I've gotten those two down pretty well. Um, but I guess if it was a date night, I'd have to go. Uh, I gotta go a little bit above the pasta and tacos. So it'd probably be like an orange chicken with probably some brown rice and some veggies. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, I can appreciate that. Uh, not not a, a, a culinary arts guy myself either. So uh, it's usually uh, omelets and omelets and different kinds of omelets uh, here at my bachelor pad. Um, you stay at the at the at the goat farm uh, and being in and around Ricky Carmichael who. For all as long as I've ever known the guy, I've talked to him more than a few times, and the guy just loves to, like, this might sound weird, but he should have, like, grown up in, in a hockey dressing room, because he just gives everybody shit. That's, like, the whole, like, that's that, like, the, the locker room sports mentality of just, like, picking on people is, is something that he just seems to uh, to gravitate to. Um, what are some of the things that y- uh, you and uh, Ricky go at each other at on a regular basis? And w- what are some of the things that uh, like you-, you can actually get under his skin just a little bit with um, uh, if-, if you need to pull one out? Oh, dude, that's tough. Um, because he's, you know, and that's, he's so, again, that's back to the mentally strong side of it. He's so, uh, he's been here and he's done it. 
So it's very hard to pull one of those. Um, you know, you don't know what it's like because he's lived it and, he, and yeah. he's gone through it all. Um, oh, God, that's a tough one. You put me on the spot because I have to think about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, God, I don't know, man. That's that's tough. I think uh, I think anything on the dirt bike related, you know, it, it relates back to him being on a stock bike versus what I was on. Um, so I think I can always one up him when we. Uh, when we get on the motorcycle now, obviously back in the day that wouldn't be the the, the, the case. But we're speaking in, in now terms, and uh, you know, as of now, I'm uh, I can kind of he doesn't like to ride with me anymore because he says it's not fun. He can't uh, he can't have any fun with me. So I guess that's a that's a compliment for me. But uh, you know, the other fun banter is uh, is on a bicycle because, like I said, the dude's still gnarly, but I'm confident enough now to where I, I know I, I I got him covered. Um, so it's kind of fun to, to throw that carrot out there every once in a while and, and you know see if he takes the bait, see if I can get him get him revved up and uh, get him going on an effort. Um, so I'd say either between the motorcycle or the bicycle, he's, he's a pretty competitive guy, and um, I got the upper hand. I feel like on both, so it's uh, it, it's it's fun banter when, when we get into those two two areas. Fair enough, man. Well. Um... Monday Night Football kicked off 15 minutes ago. You're probably looking at your watch saying, I've been talking to this Canadian kid for an hour and 15 minutes, and I thought I'd talk to him for 10. Uh, so uh, uh, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast, giving him such an amazing interview. Um, th- this was a ton of fun for me. I hope it was for you, and uh, I hope you'll, you'll do this again sometime uh, during your uh, as we get closer to uh, the 2020 season. Joey Savacci here on the Big MX Radio Podcast, brought to you by Medterra CBD. Uh, Joey, thank you so much for making some time for me tonight. Hey, man, thank you for having me. I uh, appreciate you uh, having me on, and uh, hope to hope the people listen and enjoyed it. Absolutely, I know they did, and uh, we'll do, definitely do this again sometime. As long as you'll take my call, uh, do not hang up just yet, my friend. But for podcast sake, let's cut it off right there. And four.